America Meditating Radio Show. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. Hi, everyone. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. We bridge divides, we seek deeper meaning, and we answer life's most compelling questions from experts around the world. Because in a world of uncertainty and division within and out, we will need answers right here, right now. Join me and guests on America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. I was 11 years old at my first national championship. I fell I don't know how many times. Michelle Paul is the most decorated figure skater in U.S. history. When I had a dream, my dream came true because I dedicated myself. Dedication made Michelle Kwan a champion. I was passionate about something and I made sure that I worked hard for it. And dedication can make your dreams a reality. Whatever your dream and goals are, they can come true. Dedication. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, everyone. This is Sister Jenna. You are listening to the America Meditating Radio Show. And guess where we are? At the beautiful Meditation Museum in the nation's capital. I keep inviting everyone again and again and again. You don't want to miss coming off of a busy road, stepping into an oasis of yourself and feeling the divinity that's just sitting there calling you, waiting for your attention because you're so busy being stuck in traffic in Washington, D.C., Anyway, we hope you're doing quite well, and life is alive. You're not just living, but you are alive, and that means you're breathing, you're thinking, you're feeling, you're nurturing, and you're becoming. Perhaps one of the most important things I came across a few weeks ago was the things that you listen to, if you feel them as you're listening to them, you are actually becoming them at that moment. So when you're listening to the AM radio show, I get a sense that there's something good that's coming into you, through you, for you, and also for us. So we really look forward to having you. We're looking forward to having Ellen Rogan, who is a financial advisor, author, and nationally known expert on living a life of success. Yay! There's nothing greater than living a life of success, right? And I know that in many ways we've often been brought up to believe success is how much money is in your pocket, how many toys you've got. And I used to be in that world very strongly, It was how many cars I owned. It was what name brand clothes I was wearing. It was how I rolled out of that automobile and had those eyes at me. I'm not saying that anything has changed. (laughs) Okay, now I'm not driving anything fancy, and I don't have a name brand outfit. And, of course, it's not about the eyes looking at you. But now my new definition of success, how many people do you love and how many people actually return love to you just because of what you've contributed in their lives. I'm going to be looking forward to talking to Ellen shortly, and we're going to get our sweet sister Gita on the air right after this beautiful song by Lucinda Drayton that we do have a lot to learn, and life is really coming to a point of the learning game is increasing, and we're becoming better. Breathe in and enjoy this moment.
I just love her, Lucinda Drayton, from her You CD. We've got a lot to learn, and that is true. Never feel that you've arrived. I remember the woman, she came into the meditation museum, and she had one of the instructors with her, and she came to me, and she said, I don't want this instructor to teach me. I went, why? What happened? She acts like she has arrived, she told me. I went, oh, really? Her? Okay. Well, just because you have an issue with her, I'm going to make her definitely your teacher. There's something there for you to learn. And you know what? After three months, they became best friends. Twenty years later, she found out that that woman was my mother. What's a story to tell? I have to tell you. You're listening to the America Meditating Radio Show. Yes, broadcasting live from the Meditation Museum. And we're going to turn the lines over to that beloved sweet sister Gita, who's got something for us special. Good day, and once again, welcome. Hello to America Meditating. And I'm thinking about my good friend Bob Marley. In order to get success happen, Bob used to sing the song. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. And sure enough, it's the mental slavery that keeps us from success. So here we go. Everything is done according to the right method. When this happens, there is success. Let's contemplate on this. When we don't achieve success immediately, we sometimes get tempted to opt for a shortcut. Although we might achieve something temporarily in the long run, it won't be beneficial and sometimes has the opposite effect to the one we desired. The application. Whenever I am involved in a task, I need to make sure that I am doing it properly. Although at times I might be tempted to cut corners, I know this will only cause me problems later on. When I make the effort to follow the right method, I know that it will be worthwhile in the end, and I will feel a greater sense of achievement when I complete the task. Value success. Have a successful day. Thank you so much. That was lovely. That's so true. That was so powerful. That was so true. Wow, I love that. Well, we're looking very forward to Ellen Rogan joining us. She's a financial advisor, author, and nationally known expert on living a life of success and prosperity. Chock full of left brain credentials. (laughs) That's cute. Ellen also walks on the right side, balancing values, big picture ideas, meditation, and a sense of humor with all her professional training. She is very comfortable in talking about the power of compound interest, and she herself is the power of belief. Ellen shares her innovative approach in her book, Great With Money, Six Steps to Lifetime Success and Prosperity. Her much-anticipated next book, Picture Your Prosperity, Smart Money Moves to Turn Your Vision into Reality, will be released in January of 2015. The America Meditating Radio Show is very happy to welcome Ellen, who's a very good friend of Shawnee, and we're looking forward to our conversation. Hello. Hello. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. Thank you so much. Me too. Me too. You might you might have heard me sharing about back in the days when I was this little dress-up looking little sister and her fancy cars and all of these things, and I still think those things are fine, even though I don't have them today. But I've come to this very deep feeling within myself, I think from having a lot to basically transitioning into 
simple is even a lot for me now, that success had a lot to do with the love that I had garnered in my life and just the way that I was able to offer love to others. Would you add love as a huge component to success, Ellen? Well, I just love that definition. Yeah, so it's having meaning and purpose and service behind what each individual's definition of success is. So, you know, for the listeners, what, you know, what is your definition of success? And to realize, as you were, if you've exemplified, that it's fine to have lovely things around you, but that is not what brings you the happiness. Right. Now, I know that you have worked in the financial services for more than 20 years. What was your inspiration to get involved in that 20 years ago, and what's your interpretation of it 20 years later? Yeah, so uh, I would love to be able to tell you that I got in because this was like something as a child I knew I always wanted to do with (laughs) with their money issues. The truth was, that I kind of, like I think many people, ended up in a, in a profession kind of by accident or for um, indirect reasons. So when I was in college, I got an A in accounting, and so I thought I was good at it and wouldn't necessarily say that I loved it and wanted to go to graduate school in New York, and I ended up in a program where I could study accounting and live in New York and work at the same time. And So I ended up kind of in this financial profession, which as a child I never would have thought I would have done. I thought, I I mean, I hated math growing up. And then transitioned into being a financial advisor a few years after that. And it was mostly moving away from being an accountant, which I hated, versus necessarily being drawn to something. But I figured I would give it a try. And the worst thing that could happen is that I would know how to handle my own personal finances. And that was actually more than 25 years ago. And, you know, it really transitioned into me. The most interesting part of what I do is really understanding how people make decisions around money and it real, what it really means to them, and also looking at what's made people really successful in the past. So it brought incredible meaning into my work now. And I also am driven by the fact that I see so many people suffering around money, whether they have it or not. I mean, I've seen very, very wealthy people so worried they were going to lose what they had or controlling with their money. And I feel like a lot of my life's work is around easing that pain. Wow, yeah. You know, money is such a big story in everyone's life today, isn't it? I mean, so many people are in marriages because of economy. It rates one of the highest. So many people don't leave a job that is safe, even though they hate it, because of economy. So many people risk leaving a job to follow their passion again because of economy. Why does it trump the the courage and the trust of the human spirit far too often? Some of this, I believe it trumps it because we've been brought up with a lot of money beliefs. Dr. Bruce Mm. Lipton in his book, The Biology Belief, talks about how we develop our subconscious beliefs from conception to age seven, and that includes our money beliefs. So even at a teeny age, we're starting to get messages about what money really means and what it means to us. Or when you were explaining before about those material things that were so important at one part in your life, it's because at some level you believed that it was and it made a statement about who you were. And we all do that. In just the way that we've developed these beliefs, there's ways that we can move past them or develop or build on our beliefs that would have us be much happier around money. Right, I get that. I think that money is energy. And so I think when I was spiritually evolving, I was realizing that if there's a lot of energy in me, then money should be following me. And guess what? I had a conversation the other day about billionaires. <laughs> You're going to like this one. 
And the conversation was about what was sitting in the soul that had nine digits and more after their numbers in their bank accounts. Like, what were they thinking? What was at the base of their intention? What moved them? What made them billionaires? And what is it that makes others can't even put gas in their car to get to work? Like, what is the struggle that we see far too often between people and the way of money comes and money goes for them? Any thoughts? Well, it reminded me of when I was growing up, I used to think that it was about you know, doing well in school. I came from a, a home where academics was really important and getting good grades and going to a good college. And then I got out into the workforce and I realized that people, when I first started as a financial advisor, there was people who were working around me that were making three, four, five times as much money as me and I was smarter than them. I'm like, wait, right. <laughs> this is supposed to work. And I really started taking a deep dive. Okay, what is it that they're thinking or believing around money that makes it that they're being more successful in this profession. And, you know, for me, I found that it also took me finding something that worked for me. I mean, some people, it's a scorecard for them, and they feel valued by having those numbers. But other people, I think, can see the difference that they're making in the world. Right. Right? You look at Bill and Melinda Gates and their foundation, you know, the amazing work that they're doing. And so I, when we can get, when you can get, a meaning and a, a purpose behind what you're doing, then it it's much easier to make that money versus, you know, having the belief when we ask people, like, so what is it you believe about someone that has a million, a billion dollars? You're not going to always have someone think of uh, Warren Buffett or Bill and Melinda Gates that are super generous. You might hear them say stingy or greedy or they must be liars mm-hmm. or that's all that's important to them. And, and if that's what you believe, how could you ever accumulate money, that's what you believe happens. Cool, that's so true, because it's still something that I'm exploring at a very deep-rooted spiritual level, and one of my very ancient, wise wisdom keepers told me that when there's this energy of purity sitting deep in the subconscious, the energy of purity tends to be an attraction to wealth, like it just comes, and all you've got to do is just passionately love what you do, and then the money will follow. And I've thought about that a lot, and it's not like they haven't gone through ups and downs. We have journeyed with them in their story. And now they're at that point that they've just got billions in their story. So I keep questioning this whole concept as to how does that energy get in there? I mean, is it just because of their love for what they do? I can definitely see that with Oprah. I can definitely see that with Bill. I can definitely see that with Warren. So is it that we need to, as a civilization, find the things that we love so that energy of love can just co-create beauty and attract absolute prosperity? Wow, who wouldn't want that? (laughs) Even if it doesn't, like, why wouldn't you want to do that? I think it would bring that, for sure. It just even you talking about that feels so amazing. I would also add that I know my business really increased substantially once I got really clear on how I was being of service to people. You know, what was I really adding and contributing to others? And, you know, for me, I can say when I'm a financial advisor, I can ease people's stress level around money. I can calm them down. I think that's one of my business superpowers is I can make people feel really calm around their money. And when I started to focus more and more on how I can serve versus how much money am I going to make and, you know, what my revenues are and all those left-brain number side of things, my business increased 
40% in one year, and it was a down market, which is typically not good for my business. So I would add, besides coming from a place of love and passion, how beautiful to be able to love what you're doing, to see how you're serving others in the process as well. I like that. Now, is that a part of your philosophy when it comes on to personal prosperity? Because you come from a pretty traditional background in finance. And you seem to also carry a kind of a philosophy when it comes to personal property. Would you be able to share that with our listeners, what some of those might be? Oh, for sure. So I I see that a lot of financial success also comes, as we talked about, from your belief system and your thoughts around money. And what we think and what we say has a huge impact on what shows up in our lives. And when people come from a place of scarcity thoughts and worry, and they're focusing on what they don't want, that either brings them more of what they don't want or brings them incredible stress around money. And when people can be in a, when you can be in a place of abundance and focusing on service and everyone winning, not like if I win, you must lose, not aggressive competition, but a place where a prosperity can be for all, then it feels so much better. And when we're calmer and feeling more positive about our money, it's so much easier to draw those that to us and also opportunities. Right. Well. And I'm going to be an angel advocate because we know the world pretty much functions on this uh, quotient of like the haves and the have-nots, and the haves are such a small percentage of the story makers at this time. And the system seems to be running based on that formula. Do you believe in a functioning where we will reach a point in life there will be like a sort of a bartering system or everyone will have enough. No one will be deprived. Today there are 3 billion people in the world that actually cook with an out stove. One little fire with one pot they cook. We have four, five, six burners in our kitchen and two kitchens. And then I'm thinking about 3 billion people and millions are dying because of the smoke inhalation that takes place. And this is a UN report that was offered a while back. So I pull myself back, Ellen, and I think, what can we do? Is there a way that this uh, form of funding and prosperity can be a shared interest for all to be able to not suffer under God's roof? Well, there's an opportunity that's arising. Um, The financial services industry internally talks a lot about a transfer of wealth that's going to be happening. Um, From now till about 2014, it's estimated just to women that $45 trillion will be transferring to them through inheritance, and there's an incredible opportunity there. So let's just say that that number is way too high, and let's say it's $25 trillion, which is an enormous number. That's like all the billionaires in the world added together, all the revenue in, in Africa in one year, all the money spent in one year on and military, I mean, a tr- $25 trillion is an enormous number. If just 10% of that were used to make a difference in the world, world hunger would be ended. Every mm-hmm. child on the planet would be educated and inoculated. And funding for breast cancer research and Alzheimer's and autism would increase tenfold. And there'd be a pool of money to fund that research for for many, many, many years to come. Hmm. So it's um, a conversation that I love to have and why I, you know, what really drives me in terms of helping people be more responsible with their personal finances is so that they can get to the point where they're not right. worried about themselves and they can start to be really generous with their money to make a difference. I love that. In your book, Great With Money, 
You mentioned the importance of staying calm and positive when it comes to your finances. And that's not always very easy for folks to do, especially given, you know, the troubling economic news that we hear sometimes. Suggestions. How can we stop being so afraid when it comes to spending money, earning money, or even saving it? Yeah, so being afraid is one of the things, as we've talked about before, is just knowing the importance of being calm around your money. I like to say that worry is not a good financial planning strategy, right? So how do we reduce that worry? Well, some of it can be as simple as breathing. When you're nervous about making a financial decision, what kind of decisions do you make if if they're fear-based? They're usually really bad ones. So if if you can take a deep breath and calm down, you oxygenate your brain, you start to make better decisions. I encourage people to turn off the financial news. Now, I don't want people to be uninformed, but there's a lot of spin that happens in that news, and it's really designed to make people worried and anxious so that then they'll keep watching, right? And there's more ads that are sold. There's actually studies that have been done that people that pay less attention actually do better with their investments because people that pay too much attention feel like they always have to make a move with their money, and it's not always a good move. So turning off the TV, um, here's one that calms people down, but you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a financial strategy, and that's to clear clutter. So when you have clutter in your life, whether that's paper clutter or actually mental clutter, it keeps your attention um, scattered, and it it, uh, doesn't allow you to be as focused on what you want to create as you'd like. So clearing clutter is a really great way to calm to calm you down. I know during the last financial crisis when things were out of control, the markets were spinning, and there was nothing I could do personally about that, I would clean my office. I'm not naturally someone that has everything always in perfect order, and it calmed me down. It also brought in more business to me. I don't exactly know the mechanics behind that, but I think my attention was more on what I wanted to create. And every time I clear clutter, business starts flowing in for me. And lastly, I'm preaching to the choir here, but meditation. I've been a long-time meditator, mm-hmm. and it's one of the best things that I do to stay calm and clear. And the more calm and clear you are, the better financial decisions that you'll make. That is so important, you know, Ellen. It's something that I've really tried to convey to a lot of our uh, individuals here, especially in the nation's capital where money ranks high <laughs> on their totem pole in their sense of identity. And this sense of being calm and clear that, I'm doing this for a good reason. I've earned it for a good reason. All is good. There's no such thing as loss. I'm a trustee. Whatever comes to me and whatever leaves from me, I'm just a trustee. i got to keep my virtues in check so that I can really appreciate all the wonders that generally come. Lovely. That's been great. I love that. You know, you've got a saying in which um, all people need to do is focus on what they want, program their brain, and they'll have all the financial success that they desire. And you mentioned that a little bit earlier on in the conversation. Is there a way you can elaborate a little bit more like in details, in essence? How do people focus on what they want? Program, this is the part, program their brain, and they will have financial success. So there's something in our brains called the reticular activating system. And a lot of the current brain research now is really fascinating around this that um, I think the metaphysical world has known for a long time and the scientific world is now proving out is that we have the ability to program our brain to start to see opportunities out there. So the reticular activating system is about the size of the end of your little finger and it's at the base of your skull. 
and it helps to filter information for us. So it's when you're at a big party and someone calls your name, you can hear that because you've been taught that it's important. And, you know, if I ask you the question, what did you not pay attention to on your way to the office today? (laughs) Probably billions of things, right? We can't pay attention to everything. So most people are reactive when it comes to their reticular activating system, and they let it kind of pull them whatever way that it's been programmed. But you can actually be proactive with this. And one of the ways to do that is to start to use your visualization muscles in your mind and picture what it is that you want to have happen in incredible detail. In the Great With Money book, we talk about the Great With Money Prosperity Formula, which is really four steps, which is, first of all, deciding what you want, which for some people is a challenge, right? So thinking what it is in incredible detail that you want, picturing it in your mind's eye, feeling what it will feel like to have that happen for you, and then coming up with a declarative statement and affirmation that says what you desire to come into your life. So just a quick example, I'm training for the Chicago Marathon. It's in a couple weeks, and um, this is my sixth marathon, and I've had all sorts of experiences over over a 25-year running period. (laughs) So it hasn't been six in a row. And I have, um, so I picture every morning what the race is going to be like for me. I feel what I want to feel like when I'm crossing that finish line, which is going to be a lot better than I felt last year, which was awful. (laughs) So not focusing on awful, I'm focusing on strong and healthy and excited. And then funny thing with my affirmation, my declarative statement, I've been saying I run in, train for, and recover from the Chicago Marathon with joy, ease, camaraderie, and good health. And this has been a phrase I've been saying to myself for several races. And I've been training in a running group. And last summer I was sharing this with a friend of mine. And when I was saying joy, ease, camaraderie, and good health, I stopped in my tracks because I realized that our pace leader in our running group's name is Joy. So here (laughs) I was expecting to run with joy but a different kind. So it's really important. (laughs) To focus, you know, be really clear on what you want. She's awesome, so that's okay. But um, So this is a form that you can just think about what you want, see it in your mind's eye, feel it and say it to create any goal, including your money goals. And i got to tell you this. When I was between the ages of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, it was very heightened between 18 and 23. Every year... I would sit and write down on a piece of paper what I was going to achieve that year. And I remembered specifically that by the end of each year that I would get at least five of them, if not seven or eight. And I remembered how that used to quietly confirm to me it's in you what you want to focus on and believe you have the capacity to do. Now, I think there's a a, a sort of a scary component that some folks reach for these huge idealistic dreams and they haven't even been able to deal with the small first step, what would you tell those folks to do? Because they're really good and they really want, you know, the big things and the great things, but they don't even do the small steps first. How would you guide individuals like that? Because I've met a lot of them along the way. So are you asking small steps in the visualization process or in the practical, let's get down to dealing with money process? I'm asking about people say they want a lot of things out of life, but they don't even take the first step to even get there. But that's what they talk about, and that's what they want to do, and they tell people, and they do a lot of thinking. I know a guy right now, got his whole family. They're going to be pretty much kicked out of their home pretty soon. 
he talks a lot of big dreams and big thoughts, and he goes out to dinner, and he uses a credit card. He charges up on a credit card, but he can't buy a gallon of milk for his family. A couple things with that is, and and it's really important that you're bringing this up because about this visualization process is really important, and taking action is incredibly important. So when you're clear on where you want to go, then it's stepping back and saying, what's my first step? You know, at the end of visualization process, what's the first most important step for me to do to get into action? You know, on the money side, when I think of small actions people can take, it's setting up some kind of systems for yourself if it's a credit card situation to get that credit card paid off. If it's starting to save, it's saving on an automatic basis. I mean, when I look at, from a practical level, the people that are most financially successful, they're people that are living on way less than they earn. I mean, I know that Mm -hmm. sounds so obvious, but it's not what Mm -hmm. most people do. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to earn like Bill Gates. Can earn very. I've seen people with very, very modest incomes who always save every single paycheck. They save right. something, and those those practical steps are truly important to get you ahead financially. Right. It's just that I've met so many people. They live beyond their means. That's really what it is. And there's this conditioning for some folks. And I don't know if you've bumped into a few. They're so um, inspired by the Bill Gates and by the ones who are there up front with the good life, by the Ellens and by this and that. And yet, to really find their passion and to move forward, that just seems to not be in their framing. There's a young boy that used to come to the ashram, and I had organized for him to stay with one of our spare homes next door to it. He's in a $1.5 million house. And I had him just stay there for free just so he could get his life together and work, get a nine-to-five. He's a financial consultant. He couldn't even pay and put gas in his car. For him, he thought working nine to five was for the birds, but he couldn't put gas in the car. So I like, I feel like there's something missing in your framing as to what's going on here. You don't have money to even eat. You've been given an opportunity to stay in, in a beautiful home to get your act together, and nine to five is for the birds. And I've heard this from him, and I'm saying, there's no way you'll ever find your success. But on his Facebook, he's always taking pictures with all the billionaires and millionaires of the country. (laughs) That's a very interesting case, you know? You know what's coming up for me when you're telling that story? Yeah, tell me. um, What just came up is thankfulness and gratitude for where you're at. Because there's a not being present in that story. Mm -hmm. Like not being present. So, wow, if someone put me up in this gorgeous home without having to be having to pay for that, I'd be like, oh, I'm so grateful. And every day there is always something that you can be grateful for. And right. the more you focus on what is working, the more of that you'll draw to you versus this this wanting. Sometimes um, this feeling of want is actually the word want means lack, not having. Uh-huh. You know, I want something so bad. Well, you're always in the state of wanting, right? If you... If, so I've I've caught myself when I've had like this big desire like oh, I want this so bad I want with their book deal it took a year and a half longer than I thought it was going to take I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want this to happen and the second I was like you know what things happen in divine timing it's not supposed to happen right now I'm grateful for where I'm at I have a great co-author and all these other things and relaxed then things started to move that's what's coming up for me with those stories is okay how can you be more present more grateful for what is right now. I agree with that because I do believe that those particular cases that I've mentioned to you, 
have been individuals that have somehow not had the karmic humility to appreciate uh, the good that they did attract and that the good was actually trying to get them back on track. But there was something within their storyline of their interpretation of themselves or their interpretation of their worth or some conditioning that they defined as success. It just threw their whole things off. And Today, I still see them struggling to find a dollar in their pocket, and it's been years. But anyway, I want to move on to like a whole beautiful other aspect of a story, such as when you meditate, Ellen, how does it feel? <laughs> wow, it's um, it's such a gift. So I've been a regular meditator for more than 10 years, and always once a day, and I know when I do it twice a day, it's so much more awesome. I just don't always do that. What happens is it's such a calming, what it's done, it's helped me clarify when I'm not feeling that way that I need to do something different and how much more efficient and effective and creative I am uh, when I do meditate. And I know that the synchronicity in my life exponentially increases when I meditate on a really regular basis. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. things just seem to flow into place. And the other part is when something less than excellent happens, I'm able to be an observer and say, okay, what's this about? How can I look at this differently? Find solutions. I mean, in the last few years I've gotten myself out of some really difficult situations that didn't seem like there was a way to get out of in Mm -hmm. a beautiful way that served the highest good of all. And I know that it's because I got the clarity and presence from my meditation practice. And I thought I was the only one going through that in the last two years. Oh, that's good. I have company. (laughs) Yeah. If something always happens for us, as Byron Katie says, not to us, okay, then. Exactly. Then great. Okay, what am I supposed to get? (laughs) Just turn it around, turn it around. Right. You know, I do believe it, and there's an, an interesting dimension that happens when you just let it all go. It's like it all starts to then flow, you know. It's like all of that resistance or pain or fear or questioning of your capacity that was holding itself quietly tucked in your subconscious and was pushing away your fortune. Once you said, that's it, you know, God, I'm letting this go. It's done. It's it's Anyway, it's up in your hands. I'm okay. I've got food on my, on my table. I've got clothes. I've got love around me. Okay, I'm good. Then all of a sudden, and it comes tenfold as if it's saying, always remember, it's not about you. You've come with a story, and the story will unfold in front of your eyes. Just be open. Everything is accurate. I have loved our conversation. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. I feel, I feel so great. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's been so sweet. I could see why Shawnee connected us, no doubt. So we could see how these relationships connect the dots and really the beautiful story unfolds. Before I let you go, I want you to share with our listeners what's Ellen's favorite life quote that she's living by currently. And um, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing or get in touch with you, where should they go? Okay, so my favorite, I would say it's an adage, I don't know if it's a quote, is what goes around comes around, and it serves me in every part of my life. <laughs> I love that, and my kids are so sick of hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> what goes around comes around. So listeners can go to my website, which is ellenrogan.com, E-L-L-E-N-R-O-G-I-N.com, and there's all sorts of free resources there. And then as a special gift, they can also go to myprosperitygift.com and there's no cost for this but there's seven short audios that go through the seven 
sections of the Great With Money book, and there's actually a Prosperity Flow meditation on there as well. And that's myprosperitygift.com. Oh, that's beautiful. Ellen, thank you so very much for being on the air and wishing you continued prosperity, happiness, love, light, bliss, and a lot of smiles. Well, thank you so much. It was what an honor. Thank you so much. It, it was lovely. Take care. I'm sure we'll connect again soon. Bye-bye. So, Prosperity, have a focus plan, everyone. Make sure that you are pretty much consistent in holding that thought as often as you can. Don't let your success slip away just because you weren't prepared. Sometimes I feel success is all around us. It's just that we don't focus on it in the right way. And the left brain and the right brain, they need balance and they need to be in a very healthy and normal marriage. You are listening to America Meditating Radio Show and I'm your host, Sister Jenna. We have the wonderful Ellen Rogan on. If you'd like some more information on Ellen, go to her website, Ellen rogan r-o-g-i-n dot com and definitely enjoy some of her gifts remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission we are here to learn to love each other the same so please stop fighting over who left the cap off of the toothpaste (laughs) it's not worth it anymore and hey please join in the ohm challenge we want you to set your intention breathe in deeply see if you could Chant OM in one breath for 60 seconds, and when you're done, nominate someone, stop your video, send it on your Facebook or Twitter, and tag it, and then send it on to the OM Challenge Facebook and Twitter account, and let us know how much fun that was and that you were contributing towards inner peace and world peace. We would love to hear from you. If you've got any questions, please email us at americameditating at gmail.com. And don't forget to tweet us at America Meditate and also to follow us on our Facebook account. We love you so much. And thank you for always showing up and letting us know that we're doing something meaningful in the world. 